But this morning, I, I want to talk to us about this, our identity and sonship again. And I specifically want to talk about Jesus, how Jesus came to introduce us to the Father, and how that ultimately delivers us of this core issue of fear that all of us are walking around with. Outside of Christ, there is a residency of fear in our soul and in our spirit that we, we ultimately have to be delivered of. As I was thinking about this subject this week, I realized this, that basically the whole world operates motivated by fear. They live their life in a tunnel with walls and a ceiling, and that tunnel and that, those walls and that ceiling, it's called fear. And all the time, they're being directed by fear. Don't do this, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. Don't do this, because this and this and this could happen. No, you can't go too high. No, you can't go too low. No, you have to stay right in this channel, because if you go anywhere else, you're gonna die. You're gonna fail. What will people think about you? Have you ever heard those whispers in your mind? If you do that, what will people think about you? If you do this, you're gonna fail. You can't try that because you'll fail if you try that. It, it, it will be a complete disaster if, if you try to, to you know, go this way or go that way. Fear, it grips people. I've watched people live their entire life, their entire life with fear as their motivator. A lot of times people, they get saved, they come into the church and, and they, they, they make Jesus their Lord. There's a salvation experience, but they live as much of, a, of a, a slave of fear as they did before they got saved because they don't engage in the very promises that we have in the gospel to be completely liberated from fear. And they live as a slave of fear all of their lives. It's shocking. Some personality types, because they are so aware of fear, but they're, they're those kind of all out kind of personality types wanna prove nobody can touch me, nobody can control me. What they do is they live their whole life trying to prove to everybody that they're not afraid, so they go do the craziest thing they can find. Anybody know anybody like that? Well, they're still being motivated by fear. And they're trying to prove themselves to be something so they go running into fear. And a lot of times, that's just foolishness. And so I, when people come into Christ and they keep that fear motivation, what they tend to do is they get good religious language. They dress it up. They call it wisdom. They, you know, they, call, it, they call it, you know, being responsible or being respectable. Yet discernment. They use all this religious window dressing on something that is still a chief motivator and a chief identity of what it means to be an orphan, and it's being motivated by fear. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think about it. Don't say it. Just really think about it. Let this question penetrate you right now. What would you do in life if you were not afraid? 
What would you do in life if you had no fear? Some of you can't even answer the question because the number of objections that are coming flying in your mind right now are, that are based on fear are so clouding even the question. I didn't ask you, did you have enough money to do it? I didn't ask you what would so-and-so think about it. I just said, if fear was out of the way, what would you do? Who would you be? I believe this. In Christ, we can be completely delivered of fear. Completely delivered of fear. I believe this. Fear does not have to be a motivator for us. See, there is a wisdom, James talked about it, that comes down from above that's pure and it's peaceable. It means it's full of peace. When you're receiving a download of wisdom, it will release peace. And, and, and then we have the verses on the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so often, because our minds are not renewed to who God is and what the scripture says, we think it's a matter of being terrified of God to keep us out of trouble. And that's wisdom. And that's completely not what those verses are about. What those verses are about are having a right awe and reverence for the one who is infinite and eternal recognizing who he is for what he is, valuing him appropriately, and standing in awe before him, shuddering at the grandeur of his greatness, and all the while being in full and complete revelation that this one who is infinite, who is fire, who is wonder, who is all marvel, is absolutely radically in love with you. There is a place of awe. It's, oh my God, you're so big. Oh my God, you're so powerful. Oh my God, oh my God, you like me? You what? There's the all. It's not this, dear God, what's he gonna do? Oh, I better not step out of line. And we, we call that wisdom, and I'm telling you, it's fear, it's bondage, it's slavery. And the Bible addresses this clearly directly, head on, and it says that Jesus came to deliver us from fear. And let me show you something. Look at Hebrews chapter two, and I don't know if you guys got these verses. I tried to send them, but whatever. I, I just changed my message while I was sitting in the front row. This is so funny. Our, our, our guys are so good with the notes and the video, and they get it all just perfect. And they, you know, they, they need it a little bit ahead of time to be able to do that. And I'm the worst at getting my notes ahead of time. Just this little side parentheses. Pause this message for this station identification. And, and, and so they want them by Thursday. And for me, that's like insane because I'm not sure what I'm preaching usually when I'm walking through that door. I'm like, Lord, what are we doing this morning? And it's not that I'm making it up as I'm going along. I'm staying full of the word and asking for the Holy Spirit to give me the precise word of the Lord. And I'm just wired differently. I'm just wired like that. So I could literally walk in here with a message and I'll get an entirely different message while I'm sitting right there in worship. 
Jeff is wired completely differently than that. He can plan out his next three months and have it nailed. And they're all used to Jeff. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. Thursday is like an eternity for me. They'll be texting me Friday. Any message yet? Saturday. So have you prayed at all? Do you know? Like, yes, I've prayed. It's not how I'm wired. I'm trying, though. I sent, them a, I sent the message by noon on Friday. I go, guys, can you believe it? It's Friday, and you're getting the message. Only for me to change it just now this morning. But I feel like, whatever, I just have to be obedient to release what the Lord's given me. Hebrews 2, look at this. Look at this. What? You guys are amazing. I sent that to them literally 30 minutes ago. Way to go, guys. See? You can do it. We can do this. They're like, don't ever do this again. All right. They're not. They're so gracious with me. They don't ever complain. All right, Hebrews 2, 14. Inasmuch then as the children, that's us, have partaken of flesh and blood, that we live in a flesh and blood body, he himself likewise shared in the same, Jesus Christ put on flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus became a man with this principal focus in mind to destroy the works of the devil. We've got multiple verses on that. And at the center of that destruction of Lucifer's hold on humanity is the destruction of the motivation of fear. Because when you live motivated by fear, you live in bondage. You live in bondage in many, 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 many different ways. If love is your motivator, you are free. If fear is your motivator, you will be bound. I can take you, deal with the areas of bondage in your life, and at the, at the root of those bondages, I will find fear and I will find pride. And Jesus came to deliver us from that. How? How did he come to deliver us from that? Well, he actually was tempted with everything that we're tempted with, and he did not sin. He actually overcame every impulse, including the impulse to fear, including the impulse to be an orphan, to imagine that he doesn't have a father that loves him and cares for him that's provided an inheritance and taken care. Look at Romans 8, I want you to see this. So in the cross, he destroys the devil. And in the resurrection, we receive our justification. And then in saying yes to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? We get born again. The Spirit of God comes inside of our spirit, and our spirit becomes alive. Man, the transaction is just fantastic. 
You say yes to Jesus. You are God. Be my Lord. I believe you died for me and you raised from the dead for me. And you say, I give you my life. And bang, the Holy Spirit comes inside your spirit. It's called being born again. But there's something broader. There's something something more, how do I want to say it? Something more comprehensive that's taking place. We tend to use the technical language. But what's going on there is this. You're saying yes to being a son or a daughter. You're accepting the spirit of adoption. You're coming out of having Satan as your father and you're stepping into the family of God and you're receiving the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption he's called. Romans 8, verse 15 for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again. You're free in Christ. You're free from fear. You're free from bondage. You're free. You're not a slave. You're a son. You're free. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage to fear. You see how that works? But you received the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, adoption, Adoption is such a beautiful, beautiful term that the Lord gives us. The picture of adoption is so fantastic. The the idea that a mother and father choose the child. You know, it's one thing to choose to have a child and then what you get is what you get. And that's beautiful. But then there's this other thing where you actually get to pick the child. I want that one. Give me that one. That's the one. It's it's fantastic. And this is what the Father did with us. In the eternal heart and the eternal mind of God, before time began like we talked about last week, the Father actualized you And the scripture says he predestined you to adoption before time began. And he thought about you. He thought about what you'd be like. He he thought about your physical features, but he thought about your heart features. He thought about all the details of you that would make you you. The wonder of you and what you will become when you know him. What you will become when you're filled with his spirit, filled with his glory. He thought about the dreams that he has for you, the wonder of you. And he says, I choose you before time began. You ever thought about why you're breathing air? Is it because you chose to be a human living person? I choose to be a baby. You know, did you ever choose to be a zygote? (laughs) No, you didn't choose that. Someone else chose that. God 
chose that because he wanted you. This is the spirit of adoption working in you before you're even in Christ. The Father wanted you. He actualized you in his eternal mind. He wove together the DNA of a thousand generations to get to you. He, he, he brought you forth, and then he took you through the myriad pathways of your life, some good, some bad, some up, some down, some crazy, some just boring. He took you through these myriad pathways, and all of a sudden, you came to this place, and you said, I need God. Look, your journey and my journey, they're not the same journey, but our journeys brought us to this place where we said, I need you, and the Lord knew exactly what he was doing because he predestined you to adoption. He wanted you. So he's given us now in Christ the spirit of adoption. You're not alone. You're not a slave. You're not an orphan. You're not isolated. You're not without strength or without help. You are chosen and adopted by the Father who's loved you forever, and he's put the spirit of adoption inside of you. If you don't ever have any evidence, he actually says the spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. You have the verses of truth that tell you what to ask about. Am I your child, Father? Am I your child? And the Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of God. This is mind-boggling. This is your identity. This is who you are. This is your destiny to be part of the Father's family, that we're to live in this wondrous expanse of intimacy with the Father. And the entire time, freedom is granted to us, yet because we don't know what we've received we live in bondage to fear, allowing the enemy to control us in a tunnel of fear the entireties of our lives. I wanna break it. I wanna break it out. I wanna break the walls down. I wanna break the roof off for you. I want you to fly. I want you to be free in the sonship that you've been afforded. And, and so he put the spirit of adoption in you and he says this, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We see Jesus in the garden. He uses this term, Abba, 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 if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And there is the crossroads of sonship when you submit yourself fully to the Father. That's the, that's the crossroads of it, when you submit yourself fully to the Father. And so Jesus says, Abba. Now hear that term, Abba. It's, it's a very, very unusual term because in the Greek, we actually have a word pater, but this term Abba, it's a different level. So pater, it means the head of the household, father, but Abba is more intimate in its application. And so what would happen is this, in the, in the first century, you would have many folks that were part of the household. Uh, you can think about Abraham, like Abraham, like, no, this is way beyond first century, but in, in that household, he had servants, he had, he had sons, he had those that were close relatives, okay? But here's the difference. In a household, 
there were only certain ones that were able to call the father figure Abba. Not everyone was able. So the servants, they couldn't use that title. They would use the generic term for head of the home. But the sons, they could say Abba. And so when he says he's giving you the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba. He's saying, you're not second class. You've been adopted and you're legitimately a son. You're legitimately a daughter. You're legitimately his own. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Let me break this in your mind. God didn't save you to make you a slave. God didn't save you to make you a robot. God didn't save you to get you just to do, 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 do something for him. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. He's God. But we get to do stuff with him. He's God. He could have set the whole thing up. So he goes, he just clears his throat and everything happens that God wants to do and it's over. But instead, he sets this whole thing up. It's just the wildest plan that humans get to say yes to his invitation of adoption. And then we actually partner together with him in the progress of his kingdom. He sets up this thing called prayer, so we will ask him to do what he wants to do, but he uses prayer as a means to gain our hearts. He's not trying to get stuff done. He's trying to get us to talk to him. It's wild. Why? Why is he like this? Because he's love. He's not a machine. He's not a CEO. He's not a slave driver. He's not interested in building his corporate empire. He's interested in building his family. And so the son comes out of perfection, wraps himself in skin and flesh, and becomes a partaker of of humanity and a partaker of the pain and the temptation and ultimately a partaker of death To do what? To free us from the bondage of fear so we can be sons and daughters. Are you walking in your sonship? Or is fear still owning you? I don't want to be owned by fear anymore. I don't want fear to dictate to me what I can and can't do in Jesus. This is what a son is. A son sees what his father is doing and does what his father is doing. A son hears what his father is saying and says what his father is saying. And the last thing that that is is bondage. The premier thing that that is is relationship. Do you get it? Like the Jews couldn't deal with Jesus because he was so close to the father. They're like, you can't be that close to the Father. That's impossible. 
And he came as the son of God, as God in the flesh, to show us himself and ultimately to show us the father. He had to actually tell his disciples, it's right at the end, it's John 14, it's right at the end. And he tells the disciples, they go, hey, show us the father and it's good enough. He goes, whoa, what? Guys, what do you think this is? I came to show you the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm here to introduce you to the Father. That's what this is. Flip over to John 5. It's fascinating. I'm convinced the body of Christ at large lives in a fraction of a fraction of the revelation of its sonship. I'm convinced. I believe that an orphan mentality is the premier issue that the church in America, I'll just stop there, is dealing with that the understanding of our adoption, our inheritance, and our identity are critical, critical components that the Lord is going to release in greater and greater measures in the days coming, and that when the church steps into its identity as adopted by the Father and betrothed to the bridegroom, we are going to see an explosion of kingdom manifestation like we've never seen before because there is an inheritance it says we have obtained in Christ that the world is waiting to see manifest. And John 5, you know the story, you have this, you have this uh, lame man, he's lame for 38 years, uh, he's at the pool of Bethesda, I've actually been to that place where they, where they think it is, it's really interesting, and, um, and he says, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. Jesus says, what are you doing here? He says, I don't have anybody to put me in the water when the angel stirs the water. And then Jesus just goes, hey, go ahead, you're healed. Get, get up, just take your, take your bed, just go. That's so awesome. I love Jesus. He doesn't go, oh, I've got fire all over me. Ah. I mean, he doesn't do any of that weirdness. He just goes, hey, hey, bro. You're healed. Just get up. <laughs> there is a dynamic when you are a son that it's supernaturally natural, it's naturally supernatural. You just walk around manifesting what your dad does. He goes, rise, take up your bed and walk. Picks up the pallet. And what happens? All the Jews... The religious leaders, they get mad, they're persecuting, they want to kill him because it's the Sabbath. You can't heal people on the Sabbath, bro. That's one of our main rules. You got to keep the Sabbath holy. Jesus goes, I kind of thought I was. Well, you can't be walking around with a pallet that's unholy, is it? Is it, guys? Have you made traditions that are causing the word of God to be of none effect? That has lost completely the heart of what's going on? Because the heart of this thing is about God wanting a family. So they begin to question him. And Jesus says this interesting thing. He goes, my father has been working. And I'm working. Even to this hour. 
What's he saying? He goes, guys, my dad, this is what my dad does. He heals lame guys on the Sabbath. He goes, I'm only doing what my dad does. And then when you read the next verse, it's wild. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And here is the deal. The devil tempts Jesus over his sonship. If you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. And then when Jesus begins doing ministry, doing miracles, yes, they're mad that he's breaking their laws, but they are really ticked that he says, I'm the son of God. I'm walking around in an identity that transcends anything that this world has. I'm walking around in an identity that is intimate with the Father. And then he goes on to explain, verse 19, he says, I'm telling you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For even as the Father gives life to the dead, raises the dead and gives life to them, even, though, even so the son will give life to whom he will. There is this dynamic of operating in our sonship that enables us to be fully confident in the face of every single accusation, every single demonic influence, and not, not even just be confident in it, but to continue to move forward in the will of the Father even when the enemy is breathing down his neck. See, a lot of us are confident in Jesus until we get a threat, until the enemy raises his head, until something of, of an, you know, sort of an obstacle gets in the way, and as soon as the obstacle comes, we go, whoa, 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 we can't do that. Why? Because fear has now given us a boundary. And I'm telling you, there is a place in sonship that's the glorious liberty of the children of God where we get to flow by the Holy Spirit in a freedom never bound by fear. Never bound by fear. I was thinking about this this week. I was talking to my sons about this. I was thinking, you know, when it comes to fear, there is no redemptive element to fear. Fear doesn't help you. It, it, it never actually produces righteousness in you. Fear, it never helps you. That's why he says perfect love casts out all fear. He, he wants us to be rid of fear through the revelation of love so we can live in liberty instead of bondage. Does that make sense? I know y'all are chewing on this. Perfect love casts out all fear. Thus, there's nothing redemptive that fear offers because God wants to get rid of all of it. And it's through our identity as sons and the revelation of the Father's delight and affections in us, that fear, it melts. There's nothing good fear can offer you. There's nothing good fear does for you. There's, there's no redemptive value to fear. Somebody goes, well, if you're on a cliff and, and you don't wanna fall, I mean, it's good to have a little healthy fear of that. I would say that could be wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied rightly. Don't jump off the cliff, you will die. 
But up there, fear of heights, you could lock up and just fall over anyway. Fear doesn't help. It never helps. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the same about pain. Pain does help. Pain shows you where it hurts. Pain shows you where the problem is. Pain shows you where it's broken. Pain leads you to a healer. Fear, it causes you to run away. You see the difference? Beloved, there is an identity in sonship that God wants to invite us into that causes fear to melt like wax before the fire of his love. There's an identity in sonship that enables us to stand in liberty and not bound by anything. And and I really feel like this is the invitation of the Father this morning. Would you run to the Father? Would you run to the Father through Jesus Christ? He came to introduce us to the Father. I'm so aware of people that are so connected to Jesus, the Savior, but so aloof from God the Father. They're afraid of the Father. They accept the Savior. They don't mind the Lamb slain. They love Jesus on the cross, but they think the Father to be something completely different, some, something completely ogreish. you know, some kind of, you know, maniacal leader that's up there ready to smash people with a gavel. And I'm telling you, it's false. Actually, let me just show you how false that is. John 5, we're over there. Why we're there, we should just look at this verse. Right after Jesus said everything I just said, look at verse 22. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. I love that verse. I've got four other supporting verses theologically if you want to understand this. The point is, in the Trinity, in the Godhead, The Son of God has been given the responsibility and the privilege of judgment. The Father doesn't do the judging. This image we have of the Father as some, you know, sort of mean judge up on a throne with a gavel ready to drop the hammer on people is completely false, biblically false. Because all the judgment activities of the Godhead have been committed to Jesus Christ. The Father judges no one. The Father sent the Son, who is the express image of the Father, to bring people to himself. The Father welcomes. The Father comforts. The Father invites. The one who is your savior, he is also your judge, which he goes on to explain in John 5. And the reason why is because he's a man. See, people will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. They will stand before Jesus, the judge, and they will say, it's not fair. It was too hard. All, the, all these rules and regulations, it's just too much. No human could ever meet the requirements of God. And then they'll look a little closer And he's a man who's perfect on the throne. 
The Father judges no one. I don't know what you have in your mind about who the Father is. I don't know how aloof you stand from the Father. I know many people stand aloof from the Father because of their images of God that they carry in their soul, but I'm telling you, the Father's not judging you. He's not trying to get you to perform more. He's not trying to get you to work harder. He's not trying to get you to slave it out so you can be acceptable. And so many Christians, they live their whole life trying to prove themselves acceptable, trying to toil for validity so that they can get accepted by the Father. And the entire time, the Father's been the one drawing you to introduce you to his son. So what? So the son can turn around and introduce you to the Father. Am I making sense? I think we're shifting strongholds right now. Seriously. Because I feel like you're just, some of y'all are just hearing this and you're wrestling, but the thing in the, I've got so many verses on this and I'm telling you, the Father wants you and he's drawing you to Jesus so you can meet the Father. Some of us don't even realize when we got saved, what we were getting saved unto. I, I, I didn't. When I got saved, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. I, that was it. Give me the get out of hell free card because this is scary. I was absolutely aware of my need. I was aware of my loss. My sin was ever before me. I needed help. Give me a savior. And that's okay. Because the father is the one drawing me to that savior. He's going, son, you're broken. You can't fix any of it by yourself. You can't fix any of it. You need a savior. And then I run to Jesus, help, 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 help. Arms wide open, blood everywhere. And here's Jesus Christ, broken for me on a cross. He's perfect and I'm not. And he goes, come, this is for you. And I hold on to that cross with everything. And he doesn't stay on the cross. He comes off the cross. They put him in the grave. Raised from the dead for my justification. He goes, you're innocent. I go, me, innocent? He goes, yes. Now I want you to meet someone. Do you know my dad? You're a son. It's what I did for you on the cross. You're a son. You're adopted. You have an inheritance. You're gonna rule and reign with me on my throne. You're a co-heir with me. You're in a family now. You have brothers and sisters you don't even know. Oh, fear, that's no longer your portion. Love is. People think hate is the opposite of love. I'll tell you, fear is the opposite of love. Perfect love casts out all fear. See, faith works by love. The activator of faith is love. And this is what we have to have this morning. When we run to the Father, we run to Jesus Christ and the cross, we hold on to the cross with everything, and then Jesus goes, In, let me introduce you to my Father. Let me introduce you to the one who's adopting you. Let me introduce you to the one that made all of this work so you could find me, so you could find him. This is what our hearts are longing for, that liberty from fear, that liberty from bondage, that confidence in love, and that transition from slavery into sonship.
Amen. Amen, amen. Let's stand. I feel like we're in a time warp in the first service. I feel like I go, open our Bibles. Okay, let's stand. I want to pray for a minute. Seriously. The love of God, it's the greatest motivator of the human heart. It's the whole goal of this life to be secure and confident in the love of the Father. Jesus' entire ministry was manifesting the Father to us, showing us the Father. There's no shame in love. There's no fear in love. There's no looking down your nose and judgment in love. The Father judges no one. He came to deliver you from fear and from bondage. I want to give a call. I want to give a specific call this morning. And don't right now go ahead and put yourself in the straitjacket. I'm not moving. Don't do that. Don't do that. The Father is wanting to encounter you. Some of you, you you said yes to Jesus, and you, you never said, I want the Father too. But Jesus said, if you've met me, you've met the Father. He said, my Father and I, we're going to come and make our home in you by the Holy Spirit. They're not like three separate rooms. They're so uniquely tied and uniquely different. It's, it's a shock what the, the, the mystery and the, the miracle of the Trinity is. But you can't divorce yourself from the, from the Father and accept the Son. There is no way to the Father without the Son. But, but if you get the Son, you get the Father. You, you, you run to the Father through Christ. I feel like there's some in the room, you need to give your life to Jesus for the very first time. You need to hold on to the cross, to cast yourself on it, to realize there's nothing I can do to fix me. I need Jesus. I need the spirit of adoption. I need to be cleansed and forgiven and set free. And I need to know a father who loves me. I need a savior who died for me and a father who loves me. I need it. Now, I want to invite you into that this morning. Holy Spirit, I'm asking all over this room, would you release conviction and revelation of love? Would you draw people to the heart of the Father through Jesus Christ? Listen, I want to pray for you. If you'd say, that's me, I need Jesus. I need to relinquish leadership of my life, and I need to come to Jesus right now. I need the cleansing power of the Savior's blood. I need the love of the Father and the spirit of adoption. I need to be rescued. If you'd say that's me, I want you to slide out from where you're standing and come down here. I want to pray for you. If that's you, move now. Move now. All over the room, move. Come right here in the front. I need Jesus. I want to know the Father. Come. 
Come. Come. Seriously. This is it. Amen. Amen. Come on. There's people moving all over the room. If the Lord is touching you right now, this is a moment for you. Come now. Come all the way over here, guys. Come on. Come on, I want to pray for you guys. There's no shame. There's no fear in this. You guys are bold, man. I love you guys. I love it. I'm walking out of fear. I'm walking out of bondage. There you go. I'm walking out of slavery. I'm walking into sonship. Come on. Come on. Listen, you may have prayed 10 times to receive Jesus as Lord, but you never said yes to what the package was. Maybe you did a religious act. Maybe they just told you something, ask Jesus in your heart and you're good to go. That, when I, the first time I ever heard a preacher, he said, ask Jesus in your heart and you're good to go. I remember walking away from that going, what is that? I don't, I don't know what that even is. Good, good, good to what? I tell you, I wanna declare it over our house, over our family. We're gonna see thousands come to Jesus. We're gonna see thousands. And when they come to Jesus, they're gonna know what they're doing. They're gonna know they're walking out of sin and they're walking out of death and they're walking out of bondage. And they're gonna know that they're coming under the blood of Jesus Christ, handing him their life and receiving his life instead. And then they're gonna know that Jesus is gonna join their hands with a father who loves them and accepts them, who says you're part of my family. That's what's up. I don't want religious shows. I want the real thing. Don't you want the real thing? We're so done with putting on a show. Let's just all together, let's just close our eyes for a moment especially you that are here in the front, just engage your heart right now. Just close your eyes, clear your mind. We're gonna pray together and I'm gonna pray just the way I said I would and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. A prayer of repentance and a prayer of committing your heart, declaration of Jesus as your Lord and accepting the eternal life of God coming into sonship. I want us all to say it together, all over the room, and especially you here in the front, say it out of your mouth loud enough so you can hear yourself. So I'll lead you and then you follow. So say this with me, say, Lord Jesus, right now, I come to you with all of my challenges, all of my sin, and all of my brokenness. And I tell you, I need you, Jesus. I need you to save me. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to set me free. I turn away from sin and my old ways, and I turn to you. 
Jesus Christ, be the Lord of my life. Change me. Forgive me. Set me free. I am yours and you are mine. I accept the love of God. I accept the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of me, making me a son or a daughter, making me your child. I accept the spirit of adoption right now in the name of Jesus. I am saved. I am yours in Jesus' name. Come on, can we give the Lord a great hand clap all over this place? Hey, just do this. Just do this. Just lift your hands to the Lord. It's just an act of surrender. Just do this. Act of surrender. It's all yours, Lord. Here I am. It's all yours. It's all yours. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Just ask him. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. My life for you, your life for me. Fill me, set me free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We love your presence. We love being your kids. We love being your sons and your daughters. We love the gospel. We love that we've got the best deal going. There's nothing grander and greater than you. Give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody that grade said amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah.